before we share the Lord's Supper together this morning. I would like you to turn for our communion devotion to John chapter 3, and we'll look at verses 25 through 30. That will be our text this morning, John chapter 3, and verses 25 through 30. We are coming near the end of our year-long series on what is a disciple of Jesus. That's what we've been looking at in all of 2017. And what we're going to do as we kind of go down the home stretch of this series is for the four Sundays of, the first four Sundays, I should say, of December, we are going to look at specific examples of disciples and character traits from those disciples that we need to look at. And all of these people are part of the Christmas story. So we are going to take character qualities from people in the Christmas story and say that's what a disciple is. We have spent much of the year talking about this is what a disciple is like, this is what a disciple should do, this is how a disciple should live, and now we're going to look at some very specific examples. And we're going to start this morning with John the Baptist. Now you may be thinking that John the Baptist is not really thought of as part of the traditional Christmas story, but he is. He is very much a part of it. In fact, some of you remember, this has been quite a few years ago, there was a, a month of December a few years ago where I did the whole month on John the Baptist because I think he's very much a part of Christmas. In Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and announces to her that she is going to give birth to a child even though she is a virgin and that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon her. And then he tells her this. He says, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, though she has been barren, she is with child and she is in her sixth month and of course the child she will have is John. And at the end of Luke chapter 1, we have a detailed and somewhat long description of the birth of John the Baptist. And there is this close tie between John and Jesus right from both of their births. So our first point this morning is John the Baptist. John the Baptist is a remarkable example of a disciple who is absolutely loyal to Jesus. And that's the character trait that I want to focus on, and I specifically have used the modifier absolute here, or absolutely, to say he is just unwaveringly loyal to Jesus. If you are a disciple here this morning, if you claim to be a disciple of Jesus, you need to be loyal to him. You need to be absolutely loyal to him, and that's what John teaches us. In verses 25 and 26 of John chapter 3, it says, Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are, go excuse me, all are going to him. John was held in high esteem by his disciples. At this time in history, it was not unusual at all for itinerant preachers who traveled the countryside to have their own set of disciples, and John certainly did. And they loved John. 
And there was some discussion that arose between his disciples or some of his disciples and an unnamed Jew over purification. Now, obviously, we don't know who this Jewish person is, and we don't know exactly what purification rite or washing or cleansing they are talking about, but it is this occasion that his disciples use to come to John and to tell them their concern. And their concern is, Rabbi, Master, everybody's leaving you, and they're going to the one of whom you bore witness. They're going to Jesus. John, you need to do something about this. They're leaving you, and they're going to Jesus. Well, in verses 27 and 28, John gives a profound answer. And his response is filled with eternal truth. John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. In verse 27, we have this timeless, eternal principle that we need to learn over and over again. John said, a person cannot receive, and I want you to notice this phrase, even one thing. A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. John knew that who he was and the ministry he had was given to him by God. And he was to rejoice in it and be content with it. His task was the one that God had given to him. But what a reminder to all of us as we come off from Thanksgiving and move into Christmas that every intellectual ability that you have and I have, that every talent you have, that every possession you have, that every breath you breathe every single day is a gift from God. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. It is a gift from him. And the mindset of a disciple ought always to be, I am so thankful. Everything I have, everything I am is a gift from God. And so he says, to his disciples, you know better. You bear me witness that I said, I'm not the Christ. I'm not the Messiah. I have been sent before him. And so in verse 29, John uses a Jewish parable drawn from a Jewish marriage ceremony in order to emphasize this to his disciples. He says in verse 29, the one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. In a Jewish wedding ceremony, there would be the groom referred to often as the bridegroom, and then there would be his virgin bride. And then there would be the friend of the groom, or the, what we would call today the best man. And that friend would, in a sense, be the proclaimer of the consummation of the marriage. So the virgin bride would come to her groom, they would go into a room or into a tent, and they would consummate the marriage, and word would come to the friend 
the marriage has been consummated. And the friend would go tell everyone else, let us continue with the celebration and the festivities for the marriage has been consumed or consummated, I should say. And they would rejoice because it's what they came for. It was what it was all about. That was the, ab the excuse me, the responsibility of the friend. And John, excuse me, John is trying to tell them Jesus has come. He's the Messiah. He is here to claim his bride, all who believe in him, who are becoming his church. And now they are coming to him. And I am simply the one to proclaim that this is as it was always prophesied to be. And so in the very last sentence of verse 29, he says, Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. This is what I came for. This is what I live for. And now, and now it is happening. And then in verse 30, John voices those famous words about Jesus. He must increase, but I must decrease. Now, this can be understood in two different ways. One historically and one very personally. Historically, John is, theologically and biblically, John is the last of the Old Testament prophets. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but John the Baptist is the final Old Testament prophet. That office is no longer necessary, and it's no longer necessary because the Messiah has come. He is now the one who will do the proclaiming. He is the source of eternal life, the source of salvation. And so this is a very historical moment. There is a great transition of history taking place from the Old Testament prophets to the one they prophesied about who has now come and his name is Jesus. So in that sense, John is saying it's time. It's time for me to fade into the background. But this can and should be seen in a very personal way. John is reminding all of us here this morning that Jesus is to be the total focus of the spotlight. And we are to fade, diminish into the background. And so let the words of verse 30 be constantly on the lips of every disciple of Jesus. He must increase, but I must decrease. Let us get out of the way and let Jesus be the center of attention. Now, this doesn't mean that John's responsibility or life were unimportant, not at all. John was sent from God to carry out a very important task, a task that can be summarized in three passages from the same chapter, John chapter 1. In John chapter 1 and verses 6 through 8, it says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. Think with me this morning. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Oh, he had a very important responsibility, a specific task that was given to him by God. In John chapter 1 and verse 23, John says of himself, he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. 
as the prophet Isaiah said, that was his responsibility, to come before the Messiah and to say, get ready. He's not only coming, he's here. Make straight, get ready for the way of the Lord. And then in John chapter 1 and verse 29, we have John's message. His great, succinct, powerful message. It says, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's the message. Behold, everyone. Look at Jesus. He is the Lamb of God who has come to forgive us of our sin, to cleanse us of our sin, to take away our sin. He is the final, ultimate, sacrificial Lamb of God, the one who will give his life for our salvation. Our second point this morning is our absolute loyalty to Jesus. As disciples of Jesus, there are many things we can learn from John. Many things we must learn from John. Let us be reminded this morning that our main purpose on this earth is to live for Jesus and to testify about Jesus. That's why we're here. That is why we're here. That is why John existed and that is why we existed. To live for and testify about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us be reminded this morning, we are not the light. Jesus is the light. John, or it says uh, back in John chapter 1 and verse 8, he was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. Now you may think this morning, doesn't it say in Matthew chapter 5, doesn't Jesus say, you are the light of the world? Yes, it does say that. But always remember, we are not the source of the light. We are a reflection of the light. We are not the light itself. Jesus is the light. We are simply a reflection of his, his light. And let us be reminded this morning from John that we are to say to all the people of our community and to all the people in every people group around the world, behold, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let us proclaim it to the very ends of the earth. That is our mission. That is our goal to let them all know that the final, ultimate, sacrificial lamb has come and he has completely provided for our salvation. Believe in him. Believe in him. And let us be reminded, let us all be reminded that Jesus must increase and we must decrease. Oh, let us humbly, joyfully, gladly let him be the center of our lives and the center of attention. There's something I think every one of us need to learn from John. In one of the commentaries I was using this past week, it said that John is the greatest example in all of Scripture that every one of us, every child of God, ought to be content and joyful in who we are and in whatever abilities or tasks God has given us. Let me put it this way. Do not wish that you were someone else. Rejoice in who God has made you and be absolutely loyal to Jesus. Rejoice in who you are. Do not wish that you were someone else. Be thankful that you are you. 
because you are who God made you to be. John reminds us that we are not to be jealous of someone else's ministry. We aren't easy for pastors to look at another pastor and say, oh my, their, their church is bigger than ours. Or for any of us to look at someone else, they have more talents, they have, their small group is bigger, their particular outreach or ministry is much bigger than ours. And you know what we should say? Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Folks, we are never in competition with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We aren't. God has given us our abilities and our assignments, and let us rejoice in those. So do not be resentful. Do not be resentful when someone finds a better fit in another church or in another Bible study or in another ministry. It happens. It happens all the time. Sometimes people just leave because there's a place that God has led them to. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not talking about people who leave a church because they're angry or resentful or bitter about something. I'm not talking about that at all. But sometimes people leave because it's time for them to move on to some other small group, to some other ministry, to some other church. Pastor Mark Dever, who is the senior pastor at Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C., has often said, sometimes as pastors, we actually shepherd people to another church. We don't often think in those terms. Maybe they'd be better off in a larger church where there's a particular ministry there that our church simply can't provide. Maybe we would shepherd them to a smaller church because they're a little overwhelmed by the size of ours. Or maybe they leave your Bible study to go somewhere else. Or maybe they leave your ministry to work in some other ministry because in this season of their life, that's where God is leading them. It's okay. It's okay. We must never be so territorial that we can't let go of how God may be leading someone else. And this can get very personal. Do not become bitter when you lose a friend who needs the friendship of someone else. We've all experienced this in one way or another. We lead someone to Christ. We pour ourselves into them. Maybe we spend years with them only to watch them go be someone else's friend and kind of lose touch with us. And we tend to think, really? I spent all that time with them? I poured my life into them and now they're off over there? No. Maybe God is leading them away from you because they depended too much on you. Maybe they, they need to spread their spiritual wings and grow with someone else. You know what John the Baptist teaches us? It's okay. It's okay if they go to someone else or somewhere else. You see, we are not the issue. Jesus is. He must increase and we must decrease. At this time, we're going to share the Lord's Supper together.